On this episode of Movies Ruined My Life, we're revisiting a conversation that Brent East and myself had back in October and that I really wanted to share with you guys. So this week is Evil Dead. This is Brent. This is East. And Evil Dead. Groovy. Awesome. I knew that that was going to happen. Somebody right had to. I'm sorry. Right I waited. Bat. I gave it a beat just to see if anybody else would. Yeah. I, I was counting on East doing it. I was counting on East being doing the group. He beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. The first time that I, I saw the first Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, I fucking hated it. <laughs> and it was uh, seeing Evil Dead 2 that brought me back into the series and I fell in love with it as a result. What's uh, Brent? What's your story? How did you get into these films? Uh, it was one of those things. Like I don't even know. I'm trying to put together a timeline because I remember like when Maniac Cop came out, and I was like, "That looks wild," and I'm way too young to understand it. Yeah. And then I remember like you know Hercules and Xena on TV, and I'm like, "Okay, this is kind of cool. This is like nothing else." And then I remember maybe before or after that, whenever it was, my older brother uh, started buying the Evil Dead like you know VHSs and DVDs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and. Did he have the one that was the Necrocomicon? Yeah, he, he has like the whole series now. He's like on hardcore collecting it. And so he kind of introduced me to it <clears throat> when I was a lot younger. And uh, I knew it was cool, but I was probably too young to know just why or how or anything yeah, exactly. like that. But I did definitely grow to appreciate it. And it was kind of the same thing. The first one, I didn't quite get it at first. I didn't think it was bad, but it was just like, I don't know what to make of this. And then the second one seems like they hit their stride, you know? And then yeah. from there, it was just, it was fun. Exactly. It's It's one of those series that... I think found itself in the second film, yeah. you know, um, kind of define the Ash character, yeah. which is unquestionably probably the best <laughs> um, protagonist in the horror genre as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's so interesting that uh, – and then Raimi kind of did it again with Spider-Man per yeah. se where the, he found his stride in the second film arguably. What about you, East? Uh, I got into the Evil Dead series when I was 16. I was in the 10th grade. I met my buddy Tommy, and we'd always talk movies in high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, you ever see Evil Dead? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, you got to get on that immediately. <laughs> and he gave me, he lent me his copy of Evil Dead 2, um, and I fell in love with it, as you do. Like as one does, yeah. Absolutely. With a chain, as soon as a chainsaw gets on a hand, you kind of have to fall in love with that movie, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and yeah, he was a hardcore collector. Uh, he even still like if a new version of like the DVD comes out, like it's bought, mm. you know. Uh, he has everything. And then I went back, I watched the first one, and I was kind of like, well, the second one is still way better than this. And then there's the third one, yeah, which is just fun all around. I only knew of Bruce Campbell at the time of a uh, Jack of all trades. Cause I love that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, that, that was yeah. so good. He just would laugh every two seconds. It was great. You know, the first Sam Raimi film that I fell in love with was, um, dark man. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was, uh, and there's that scene at the end that, uh, he's wearing a, essentially a Bruce Campbell mask. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Bruce Campbell as he walks away and that's become a trend, uh, in Raimi's films. You know, uh, Bruce has been in all three Spider-Mans. Yep. He, he kind of always appears. He's always they're they're connected, and it's so interesting. You know, there's a lot of directors that run away from, uh, you know, their past. You know, if they have a a questionable first time around or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and I think because maybe because Raimi got it right, and 
especially with Evil Dead 2, like that's almost the perfect film. If you have a film like that in your catalog, then you're set for life. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you you've done your job. You've entertained the world in a way that probably no one else can. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much his own thumbprint on that film. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, he, and he wears it, you know, as a badge of honor, which I super respect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Even the Oldsmobile, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and now you, you see it coming <clears throat> back in in the show, and even in like the uh, the new Evil Dead movie, like they're just sitting on it as it's broken down behind the yeah, yeah. the cabin and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, like definitely embracing that, and I mean that goes into like a a Whedon-esque kind of thing where it's just like there's all these little calls and throwbacks between movies from completely different worlds where there's still little Easter eggs that tie it together for everybody. Yeah. So I guess was he sort of like a progenitor for that, right? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting too because he, as much as he he'll he'll jump forwards and backwards and and reference the other films he 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 always has that kind of revisionist history oh, yeah. that we were yeah. talking about a little bit off air yeah. um which i love and i think it's perfect for this series what are your thoughts on the fact that you know different girlfriend in every <laughs> film um different uh kind of a revised version we talked about how the endings don't at all match up with the the next (laughs) film but uh it's perfect it's it's almost like experimental art Mm -hmm. and it's brilliant i don't know what are your what are your thoughts like did you did you do you love that the way that i do or were you apprehensive about it or how did you know i think you do have to kind of embrace it because it's a little fourth wall breaking right where it is that kind of thing where again like it, it transcends stories and films and everything like the fact that bruce campbell's showing up in dark man yeah and, exactly. and he's making cameos you know in in spider-man and that kind of thing uncle ben's car and all that kind of stuff like all those ones it's just it's like you said revisionist history it's one of those ones where you kind of realize that he's winking at you that it is a movie that this is all mutable and that we can really do whatever we want with it so mm-hmm. it's just kind of him you know being in the audience with you being like yeah that was cool but let's try something else and just retcon in it doesn't matter exactly right? yeah and the other thing that's cool about um about the way that he he does it is it almost puts you in a situation where if you have seen the other films you're getting a little almost a little secret it's yeah. between you and and <laughs> you know and him yeah um, whereas if you don't, you can completely dive in and, and enjoy the film as a single piece. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the case for, for both Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Absolutely. Where if you've never seen any of the other films, you, you will immediately be explained, this is the world we're in, and go. And you're on the ride, and you're going full speed ahead. And it's so interesting because, it, you know, he's not an apologist, but at the same time, uh, they are very much separate films, you know, or um, uh, they're not, it's not a three-piece series that you have bookends on, you yeah. know, like a Star Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's very much, they're all individual films that follow the same protagonist. And we were talking about this element too, mm-hmm. where you can almost look at it because the intros of two and three are narrated by Ash, you could almost... <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you could you could you could take it as those flashbacks are almost his memories yeah. or him trying to explain it and and the Ash character because he's kind of forgetful and yeah. um absent-minded that you know he, <laughs> he he's just telling it the way he remembers it which is different from the way he remembered it yesterday. Yeah, I never thought of it that yeah. way. Yeah. Which is so interesting. I also find what's really interesting with these movies as well since we've been talking about it is the cast of characters that reoccur in the only constant characters that reoccur in all the Evil Dead movies are, like him, Ash, yeah, yeah. a chainsaw, 
The boomstick. <laughs> the boomstick. And the car. Yeah. Are, the, are what fans of these films are more attached to than any other character. Absolutely. Well, you that, know? that thing, having those touchstones, and it's not so much a narrative or a cohesive storyline as it is just vignettes from a world. You know, yeah, it's just like absolutely. it's a playground as opposed to, you know, some great arc. Yeah, yeah. which is something that a lot of franchises fail at. Because mm. they – and it's something that Devin and I discussed uh, with the Jurassic Park films mm. where – you have to go into them knowing with the sequels that here's the perfect film or here's your entrance into this universe. And then now you're in a situation where all that we're doing is going – we're going to have fun in this universe. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with Aliens. We also discussed that. It's the yep. same way with a lot of successful sequels where mm-hmm. you, you see um, the first film kind of laying the foundation and now that you're in the world – Let's have fun with it, you know, mm-hmm. which is no it's, one does it better than it's, Raimi. It's, yeah. it's, the thing, it's a different approach to world building, right? Yeah. Where it's, yeah, you're not worried about the story or character development so much as like, hey, this is a cool idea. What if this happened? Yeah. And you can definitely see that with, the, you know, how do you how do you up a chainsaw in a horror movie? Put it on his hand. Put it on his arm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so interesting how he gets it, too. You know, you have this beautiful piece of comedy. Mm-hmm. With the, his hand yeah. attacking him for twenty minutes, <laughs> so long, and and then the scene with him with the chainsaw. Who's laughing now? Yeah. You know, and just this, just the look on his face. Yeah, on the <laughs> cusp of insanity. Yeah, but just just perfect. I don't think that Bruce Campbell has ever been that good again. In all seriousness, mm-hmm. as much as I love him, and you know, uh, Bubba Hotep. I was going to say Bubba Hotep <laughs> yeah. was wild, but <laughs> he. Um, he hits every point. He hits the the human element with, um, you know, when he sees in, – in two, rather, because he is the star of two. Mm-hmm. In, in one, he's part of an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. In two, he, he has that moment where he has the medallion and that brings him back from being a deadite to – humanity he finds his humanity in that remnant of his dead girlfriend that's like he turns a few times and yeah 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 um and then you have those amazing comedic moments uh like we just talked about and then you have the the kind of super action protagonist Mm -hmm. with the ripped shirt and just Just and the (laughs) one-liners and and all these great things um i i don't it's very hard to, to to think of a role where he's ever been that good again. Yeah, for sure. He definitely didn't have like that range in Maniac Cop, you know. <laughs> um, but you also really get to see his humanity as well at the at the beginning of three. You know, like once he gets out of the dungeon, he's like, "This is my boomstick." Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost like he's totally scared because he's in an he's in a world that is no longer his, and that's you know, you get to see some humanity in that. Now, fear. what do you think of the alternate ending? Of Army of Darkness, where he takes too much of the potion and sleeps too long. Yeah, sleeps mm-hmm. too long and wakes up in the uh, in the future, in and the then future. E- and then everything is still kind of like crazy. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was fun, man. Why not? He's got a chainsaw as a hand. You got to kind of let loose on that. <laughs> I think that even brings more into context what we were talking about with with the the narrative being from Ash's perspective in two mm-hmm. and three, because he is and Raimi sees him as as a fool. Oh, he fucks up all the time. Yeah. So you you think, uh, here's a character who, you know, has been a fool throughout these films. And, and you know, even when he's he has to recite the lines to yeah. mm-hmm. to get the Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, yeah, he just does the, uh, all right. 
and takes it and uh, you know it's um he's a fuck up throughout the series and i think that that's actually a much more in character ending i know that they were already pushing the envelope so much with film in the early 90s that you you'd have to wonder uh if they if they did that how successful the film probably would have been in the american market but yeah. um i think it's it's more telling of the character than than the ending that you know the original release you know i i quite like it i don't know what are your thoughts on it, Brent? You look like you're thinking intensely. I'm just really trying to remember. I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, because like, the you know, original ending is him back in S-Mart. No, and that's the thing, yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, I like... Like what we're saying, which before, is great. Just, that's what I'm saying. What we're saying before, just about like having sort of like the the, the revisionist memory history storytelling vignette mm-hmm. aspect. To all of it, either one works. Um, I think the uh, the I slept too long is a little cliche. I remember watching it and being like, ah, where do you go from here? But you don't really. Need I like the idea to go of, from there, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. true. But I like the idea of Ash just constantly being being beaten up. Yeah, well, I mean that's know? the thing. But I mean, like that's another way. Like if he just ends up back at the S Mart and he's just he's still. Like society's taking a shit on him. The guy just like saved the world, saved another world. That but that's kind of not thing. how he perceives it. No, I know. And then just like even going into like the show, like not to get into that, but I mean too much. But the new show, um, he's still doing the same thing. Exactly, he's just trying to yeah. run from it. So it does. It did help with that sort of character development, I guess, because mm-hmm. it helps you sort of maintain the action hero romance novel every man shit job yeah. kind of thing. And it's just, I don't know, like the whole, what I was thinking about the whole time when you guys were just talking there was, um, I think it was on Conan O'Brien. It was an interview when, uh, when uh, If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of the Movie Actor came out. And I just remember watching it and thinking like, Conan O'Brien has no idea who Bruce Campbell is. Yeah. And he was just like, so uh, tell me about being a B-movie actor. I'm like, we just talked about how he had like one of the most like amazing physical comedy sequences ever. And he's just this, this, um, like cult hero, so influential, and Conan O'Brien's just like so B movies. Yeah, and, and like, you kind of miss the point. I feel like Bruce Campbell, you know, even like stuff like My Name Is Bruce and Bubba Hotep and that. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. He's just always that kind of thing where it's like nobody really appreciates him. Mm-hmm. So him ending up back at Smart in the actual ending, I'm like, yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. You know, it just kind of falls in line with everything else. And it, there's also another really important part of uh, like if he was to sleep all the way, you know, sleep all the way and wake up, you're missing a very important part as well, which is. All Ash's main priority is trying to get laid. <laughs> yeah, true, okay, true. You know what yeah. I mean? And every that's all he's really trying to do. And two, he just brings a girl back up where he had a shitty time just so he could bang her. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In three, he goes back in time. Well, just- does he? Because my, my interpretation of that second film is that it's this. Well, it is. It is the same girl. But they just didn't have the money to buy the rights. Mm-hmm. Or rather, they couldn't buy the rights to that first uh, film, so they reshot it, and just they they couldn't get all the cast back. So they're just like, okay, let's reshoot that first bit of the or the last bit of the mm-hmm. movie um, as a you know an opening to the yeah. th- this film. Uh-huh. So it's technically a continuation. But I see your point. Sorry, yeah. continue. Yeah, in yeah. The third film. But yeah, in the third film, he's he's still just trying to get laid, even at the very end. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Uh, and that's a big like Ash trying to get laid is a very big part of his character. Yeah, you know he messes up all the time, and he just just wants to find some love. <laughs> say wait till you, you know? see the and show. If to, <laughs> and if he was and if he was to sleep and wake up at this time where the world is destroyed, it takes away you know a big part of his character. Because if you were to continue that on, yeah, how is Ash going to be picking up women? Which is part of the reason why he always fucks up. Well, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if it would have opened up the the opportunity to see uh, Ash. In that post-apocalyptic world, 
Uh-huh. You know, and that's that's something I'm curious about because now we won't ever see that. We'll see him in this in the universe that we are currently inhabiting, more or less. I mean, is that is that a danger of the series now because they chose to go with that ending that we're kind of stuck in that world that's been built or can we do like an alternate reality and you know just be like what if this happened yeah well there's nothing stopping them from uh from going down that road yeah Yeah, absolutely but no i think you're right it's sort of been accepted as this is what it is now yeah the the smart ending is the ending yeah and you know don't get me wrong because even in itself you know shop smart shop (laughs) smart has seeped into our culture in a way that you know uh, maybe that other the other version wouldn't be as important I, I don't know. <clears throat> One other thing I wanted to discuss was the IMDb scores on these films. Mm. Um, one and three uh, both have a 7.6 on IMDb. Or rather, Evil, The Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. Yeah. Um, the second film is the highest at 7.8, which I concur with. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, to see a score, the reason I bring up the IMDb is because I always take that as kind of the fan meter on things. It's 98, the critic score. By the way, on Rotten Tomato, <laughs> um, which is fantastic, <laughs> you know, because it is nearly a perfect film. Like, if, you know, Raimi can break that out at any time and, you know, uh, OK, you want me to direct your film or you think you might want me to direct your film here? Take a look at this. This is my resume. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't need to. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't need. He never needs to prove himself again. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it's interesting because looking at the metacritic score mm. metacritic uh you know basically thinks army of darkness and the reboot are the same at about 57 percent. yeah no <laughs> uh, uh, yeah and we're gonna get into what we think yeah. of the, the the reboot but i really i question why they only see a one point difference at 70 percent for the first film and you know a culturally changing film in the second film at 69%. It's actually lower on Metacritic. Um, because you see these two scores and you see the fans and you see a lot of critics getting it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Metacritic isn't on board. What is it? Is there an element of of two that people, you know, people don't understand that we're watching a comedy I, I think it's in the, a horror film? I think it's the, the fact that two breaks a lot of like... What, you know, what film students and stuff like that call the rules of filmmaking. Yeah. You know, because right. it's that mass suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You know. Um, Which Evil Dead is not really asking you to do. Right? No, but right. Evil Dead 2 is like, if you were if you were not a fan, you could be sitting in Evil Dead 2 and be like, oh, come on. Whereas in 1, <laughs> you don't really have, like, a lot of those moments as much as you would in 2, per se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it is a lot hokier, you know. There's a lot of crazy things that happen in 2. But it's a great film. And yeah. I think that's really what Metacritic comes down to is those rules of filmmaking, how, you know, each movie follows them. Mm-hmm. And two breaks a lot of rules, which, you know, doesn't change the fact that it's still a great movie. Yeah. But also, too, when you, <laughs> you know, I, I, I see where you're, where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But uh, Evil Dead 2 also has all of these moments that um, define the films for the next 30 years. And, and, and there's just so many elements that come into it. The groovy comes into it, defining, um, you know, essentially uh, an American folk hero yeah. on film. <laughs> All of these elements come into it. And, and, and I don't think that those can be ignored, you know, um, particularly from the filmmaking aspect of it. All of, all of the work that you're seeing, 
you know, you're seeing in um, it's all practical effects and it's all in camera work. Mm-hmm. There's there's no post production in terms of you know uh, special effects and all that stuff. It's all done in scene. Uh, if you're taking it from the perspective of breaking film rules, you also have to look at all of the groundwork you laid for how films are made into mm. present day. Um, yeah, it's just it, – sometimes I, I have such, such gripes with – because we – you know, going back to what we were talking about mm-hmm. with the, the sequels where, you know, you've built this world and now let's play in it and and you have to – take into account that that's that's what's going on you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't put that veil back up there's no surprise this time for the mm-hmm. audience they know what they're getting into well i mean that's the challenge right and i mean i think we can all agree that like those are all positive scores absolutely you know? yeah like rotten tomatoes you see a lot of averages where it's like 30 to 40 percent so the fact that absolutely. they're above it's very hard to be uh, exactly above 60 which yeah. is yeah. they're certified fresh right very yeah. hard to be yeah just ask M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. <laughs> we should talk about him. <laughs> we might one day. We might. Only if we can discuss the happening. <laughs> With Mark what, the most successful comedy? Oh, accidental <laughs> comedy of all time? Yeah. I can't believe this is actually happening. <laughs> he actually, Mark Wahlberg says that in the movie. That's a line. I, you, can quote, you can quote that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'd like to talk a little bit about the first movie. Yeah. And then we'll we'll take a little break and gather our thoughts because I think we're all uh nut huggers of the second film <laughs> a little bit. Um I found my love for the second film uh much earlier. So for the when when I revisited the uh, the first film, the first time I did it was in a marathon watch. Mm-hmm. And it put so much of a greater context in things. Um Obviously, I've since kind of we talked briefly off air about the short film that that preceded this and kind of uh, the way that um, they almost had to prove themselves to get this made. Mm. And they made this movie on a shoestring budget um, with unbelievable time constraints mm-hmm. um, and and not even putting that into context, particularly when you watch the VHS version. It is a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful film. Unbelievable that this was made in 81. Uh, just blows my mind. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I wonder, because I've, I've heard stories about the remaster looking kind of crappy. And I've never watched the remaster, I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that film is going to be a film since the test of time visually? Do you think that people are going to abandon that one and just immediately go to two? Because even even for me, I kind of show two to to, to audience uh, to you know to introduce that film to new people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first film, going back over it, it's it it's so aesthetically pleasing, especially when it, literally they're taping stuff together yeah, and yeah. they're you know just the obscene amount of blood and it, it's it's amazing. I think it's because they're just. One and two are just so different, which is why it it will hold. You know what I mean? Even if you do introduce somebody to two, mm. they're going to go back and they're going to watch one. Yeah, that's the thing. You kind of have to. And, it comes hand in hand. Right? And you have, I think every Evil Dead fan has their own love and appreciation for one. Mm. I mean, like 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 you said, it, it's the entry point. It's like talking something like Star Wars or whatever, where you're just like, where? What's the order you're supposed to watch them in? Right. Yeah. 
and and you know, Evil Dead Two, just because it's again established and <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of its, its its style and its approach and that kind of thing, um, because like if if any of them stand the test of time, the rest will because it's part of the package. There is no mm. Phantom Menace here, you yeah. know, and and it's it's that kind of thing where it's just like. Like you said, like we, I don't know. I I talk about something like a Kubrick film from like the seventies, where like it looks like it was made in twenty fifteen. Absolutely right. And so this isn't quite that level, but still, the fact that it transcends that, it's 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 in the same company as you know that or Blade Runner or something like that. Where you're like, wait, this was made when? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's always going to be important. I mean, just as a, as an historical document. Yeah. Right. But um. But in terms of introducing people to the series, that might be a problematic entry point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, I didn't realize I watched. I watched it again last night. Yeah. Um, I should have done that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the only one I watched because, right. you know. <laughs> like I've seen that's a, I've seen Army of Darkness like a million times. Yeah. I, <laughs> but two I've only watched a handful, you know, and I don't I, know why because I, I like it better. Well, t- <laughs> two I've watched twice this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Army of Darkness I've watched uh, recently. And I so I had to go back and just kind of rewatch the first film and. Um, all the things that are so ingrained in in the mm-hmm. series that just are like they in were, your they head. They were established. Like, yeah, I, it was it was just recently when I went through them all that um, I re- I didn't realize the chainsaw didn't up on the stump until the second movie. Oh, absolutely! Like yeah, it yeah, blew yeah, me yeah. away. I was like, what? What the? <laughs> I mean, so clearly I'm just a bad fan. But... You think it is? Yeah, but it's not there. It's just, <laughs> and maybe maybe the source of that though is the revisionist history that mm-hmm. Ash kind of narrates. But I mean, that kind of story. Like, I mean, yeah, it's subjective and yeah, it's anecdotal, but that kind of is you know proof that that revisionist history does work that it is effective mm-hmm. you know that even people who are all about it and that kind of thing people who will talk about it and can actually you know speak on the subject still just go back and like wait a second i completely missed that and i guess that's the thing you can kind of keep going back and finding new things yeah, yeah. you can let some time pass watch it again and just completely change your approach on it yeah you know no, and that's that that's that's good art that's subjective that's things that grow with you mm-hmm. right and i mean like the fact that evil dead is one of those pieces of art is it's just wild. Oh, it's you know? it's amazing. And you know, here in Toronto obviously yeah. we in the I guess in the early two thousands we had the the stage production. Yeah, I saw the first run at the Transac. Oh yeah. it was standing room only. I was like, I don't care. I'm and going. They, they had the splatter, the splatter zone and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it the next year at uh at, was it Randolph or whatever. Yeah, it was? Randolph, yeah. yeah. No, it was fantastic. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> amazing. The you know and it follows the the first movie more or less more or less <laughs> yeah. yeah which is is really amazing mm-hmm. um just to talk a little more more about the revisionist history mm-hmm. uh the girlfriend changes mm-hmm. over the three movies and i just pulled it up here uh Lyndon, the first one is betsy baker who also played who was in the the short film that preceded mm. the evil dead um and then in the second film denise bixler and then in the third one Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Which, and, you know, completely different hairstyle, completely different look. Doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. And I can go back to that first one and fall in love with these characters all over Mm. again. It's so interesting. And how much the first film is just a pure horror film Mm -hmm. is amazing to me. Especially, we were talking about off-air, how much, in fact... Uh, they wanted to make a comedy. Yeah, I've heard that. And, and yeah. they just did not want... Uh, they, they didn't see it as viable, essentially. Um, and it the the first film plays entirely like a traditional horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it, it's really... It's actually way more enjoyable than a lot of present-day 
It is. And I mean, like, it goes back to, I think there's just like the, the winks at the audience and like the, the just, um, the slapstick comedy aspect to it. It's much more subtle than the first one. Right. But, mm-hmm. and they kind of embrace it by the third one. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's still very much a horror movie, just in a different context from a, a, a directorial eye, I guess. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like knowing that having Wikipedia, these kind of things that sort of helps us contextualize it, but that's another example of just how it grows with exactly. technology and culture and that kind of thing. Cause at the time you're just like, this is a horror movie I'm seeing in a shitty theater in 19 whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you don't get it, but then I'm sure there's a few people who did and then the fans grow and that's how you sort of get the fan base and like the, the convention following and that kind of thing where it's just <clears throat> people who found their own interpretation then share it and it grows and it just becomes that cultural touchstone, right? Absolutely. Like I know I'm being really vague in general right now. <laughs> no, no, no. And, like, and, and we're going to take a break here in a second and, and come back and talk yeah. about Evil Dead 2. But just one last point is... This film was made, what, $375,000 Evil Dead was made for. The Evil Dead was made for in 1981. Uh, worldwide, 29 million. Over 29 million. Jesus. Worldwide. <laughs> that's like some paranormal activity shit right yeah, there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of... That's an investment. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good investment. That's a, that's a damn good investment. Um, you, you don't see that kind of you know, uh, not really return anymore. on, on, on big budget movies, not anymore. even, even in the nineties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cl- I said the closest, the closest per like the closest movie that really kind of had that, or the only two directors that had that in the nineties were Kevin Smith and mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so, it's so interesting. Um, it's like these little films that could just mean so much <laughs> to us, you know, it's amazing. In any case, um, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back, talk about Evil Dead 2, and uh, get our fanboy crushes on. Aww. Hey, everyone. I really hope you join us for next week's episode where we are discussing Batman. Finally. All right, and we're back. So, Evil Dead 2. This is the one that we've been we've been uh, you know, salivating <laughs> to talk about. Um All right, first experiences with with Evil Dead 2. I got to know. I, I I have to know because everyone totally geeks out over this movie, so. Like I can't get into anything specific about it. It's just like, I don't know, we, we kind of said this earlier, or I said this earlier, where it was just like, that's when it sort of made sense. It's when they hit their stride. Yeah. You know, and it was one of those ones where it was just, again, like, as a kid, seeing our, like, I saw Army, Army of Darkness first. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just being like, this is wild. I don't know what to make of it. It's like nothing else. And then seeing the first one, because I'm going back and doing my homework, mm-hmm. and just being like, okay, it's completely different. Not entirely sure I get it, because I was far too young at the time. Um, and then two was where it just, like, everything kind of clicked. It was that sort of you know, missing link that, that, that really put it together for me. And I mean, it was just, I don't know. It's, it's still like kind of the perfect balance of everything in the series, even the TV show, all that kind of stuff where it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it was by accident or on purpose or what they were going for, but it's just when you have like the wild monsters, the complete campiness, but it's still a horror movie, but it's still a comedy. The slapstick really ramps up and then you get all of the, the, the camera tricks and things like that. I mean, it, it really did just establish everything. You know, it really sort of codified it in a way that, I don't know, like, I mean, it's, it, 
even if you haven't seen it, and if you're just listening to something like this and you're just talking to people who are fans, you immediately get the sense that like yeah. this is the touchstone. Yeah, and you, you get know? you get excited about yeah. seeing it. And I, I think that may have been on some level the difference for me because when I went into seeing Evil Dead, um, I saw it cold. Mm-hmm. No one suggested it to me. Mm-hmm. I just saw it, thought it looked cool. I want to be a part of this fandom. <laughs> yeah. And nope, no, it's not happening. When I got to Evil Dead 2, um, it was a conversation piece. And obviously that's escalated over the years where you see, you know, the fandom reach kind of new highs with every generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and people continuing to get excited about this. Um, and and maybe that, that changes your perspective a little bit coming into it because you you already know that you're going to see something world-altering mm-hmm. to a certain extent. At that point, you're like, I'm a hipster. I, I thought, knew this was cool before everybody else did, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing, because it's been stu- like studied. I totally and, didn't. I didn't. Well, that's the thing. You wouldn't. But, I mean, now, like what you said, with each generation, it seems to get stronger. It's just yeah. that, like, people have done the homework and written it down. You can go to Wikipedia. You can watch, like, a little video review or listen to a podcast. And all of a sudden, you kind of... I guess the surprise is sort of taken away because yeah. if you've done any homework, you know you're going into something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I just find with uh, the great thing about Evil Dead 2 is you look at other you know horror movie franchises of the 80s and the sequels are very much like it's very much the same thing. Mm. Freddy's in their nightmares. Mm-hmm. Like that franchise doesn't even really like get as crazy as Evil Dead 2 does until maybe, you know, <coughs> Dream Warriors, you know, yep. three. Yeah. Uh, you know, Friday the 13th, a lot of them are same thing. You know, Halloween, same thing. Evil Dead 2, though, it's they have this horror movie, and they straight up just went, you know, with the first one, and they straight up or just went batshit crazy with it. Absolutely. And to a point where now, if you are going to remake that movie, how are you going to match the love and the craziness that occurs in Evil Dead 2? Absolutely. It's totally a passion project. You know? As much as, you know, um, they, they, they didn't do that one next to the crime wave, right? Which mm-hmm. I know that's a sore spot for Sam Raimi. <laughs> I was reading that today. Oh, yeah. But, um, that's there with Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, coming back to it, it seemed like they said, okay, well, I'm coming back to this franchise that we know, we know is successful, we know has an audience, um, and, you know, we know we can finance with the help of Stephen King. <laughs> but uh, they found a way to inject all the other things that they love, all the other things they were trying to do into it. And it's so interesting to me. The Something I wanted to bring up that you said East was uh, the connection kind of to other 80s horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking a little bit off air about the proposed Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Which I think would have been amazing and much better than what we got in Freddy versus Jason. Fucking Kelly Rowland. <laughs> it's a really bad movie. Uh, and it, it's kind of funny. If you were to throw Ash in that movie, you'd actually be like, well, this is actually pretty good. Well, yeah. You like, know? Like, Ash in that world grounds it in um, an everyman in ridiculousness. Yeah. Oh, and, and but I mean, and, there, there's the everyman, but it's also yeah, it's just it, it it takes all the camp and makes it acceptable. Exactly. Right? There's something about that character, whether he's you know doing the groovy or as he's doing the you know give me some sugar, baby, or whatever he's saying. You got that, real ugly. Yeah, yeah, you got real ugly. <laughs> yeah. Any of these that yeah. 
you you're on board and i don't know what it is i believe it's it's bruce campbell on some extent uh, or to some extent um he's just able to sell that kind of thing yeah um and also what we talked about before this kind of uh approachable hero Mm -hmm. that that makes it so special and it I'm I, I'm just thinking how amazing that movie would have been. Well, and I, the one thing that always stuck with me about Freddy versus Jason was that one scene toward the end where it, it's Freddy like jumps out of the water and it's yeah, like slow yeah, motion yeah. in the air with like Jason on the dock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, imagine if Ash was somehow in that shot. Yeah. Like, how many posters or how many walls would that poster be on? It would be how on many desktop wall. backgrounds would that be? <laughs> right? oh, for sure, like, standing there with like the chainsaw pointing at Jason while the shotgun's like aiming up at. Him. Absolutely, Freddy. okay. <laughs> I, I, I think we should actually just like Photoshop this and make it. We're making it. We're making it. Oh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, because it's uh, he does bring that sense of this is ridiculous, but I'm having fun. You know, mm-hmm. as and that's what's so great with that franchise is, is you know it's and two you you know it's ridiculous, but you can't help but love it. Yeah, on that level of of the ridiculous, it's always I think what makes it possible is the fact that Ash very much does he. He himself doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. He is telling oh, yeah. you this is ridiculous. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's a bit of a dick about it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like despite all that, it's still really fucking intense. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. like it's still got that like like action movie thriller horror comedy slapstick aspect that somehow comes together in a way where you're just like you're still kind of on the edge of your seat, exactly, but cheering, but like just laughing, and it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't happen. No, you know? yeah, it's like it's like my favorite line in Army of Darkness is when he. Uh, I know we're talking about it too, but my favorite line, Army of Darkness. Sorry, my favorite line, Army of Darkness, is when he looks at one guy and he goes, "You ain't got jack and shit, and Jack left town." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as again, it's a, it's a crazy idea, but he's still bringing you know the viewer into that grounded yeah. level of this is nuts, and you have no idea what you're in the hands for. Yeah, like you know, <clears throat> no, it's true. Um, the into. And it's something we haven't touched on yet, although mm-hmm. we're going to touch on it because Sam Raimi is brilliant at making the camera into a character. You know, we talked about uh, in the Jurassic Park episode, again, to go back to that, how um, Spielberg is a director that makes the, a, the camera an extension of you. Mm-hmm. With with Raimi, he's, he's very... Um, methodical and everything's very intentional and there's moments where you just need the pace mm-hmm. they're not necessarily um, they're not they're not continued on as you know action sequences it's not the beginning of an action sequence it's just brought on as this um, this moment where you have you're reminded that they are in constant peril. Yeah, and I love that. Well, that's the thing. Like, like you, I like that you said <clears throat> he turns the camera into a character, mm-hmm. right? Because so many of those shots, like it, 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 it resolves in different ways. Yeah, each time almost. Like you'll see it, like something coming towards the cabin through the underbrush. And you're like, what's going on? And then like nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then other you times know? he's literally running from it. Yeah, and he's like he's looking at whatever the fuck is happening. Other times there's just nothing there. Yeah. it's just pacing. It's just whatever. And I mean, like that's. That's not been a problem for me, but always just sort of not even a concern. I just don't know. I don't know what the word is, but it's just one of those things I've always kind of wondered, like, what is it this time? What is it this time? What does it look like? Or is it nothing? Or is it just filmmaking? Or is it actually a character? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that, like, a, a proxy for the audience, right? And it's kind of all of those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I don't know. It's just it's it's the one scene, or rather, there's a couple scenes that do it, but it's always the same thing. It's a cut between the two sequences of Ash being in immediate peril, and also that great um, shot of him basically losing his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, those scenes and the introduction of the uh, the daughter, the archaeologist archeolo- the daughter. Yeah. Um, that is the only pacing problem I think exists in that film because maybe it's just because Bruce Campbell is so good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because every time the camera is even away from him for a split second, I have no fucking interest <laughs> in anyone else on yeah, screen. That's so true. <laughs> and I mean, like, and why did they bring in that angle with the archaeologist and the daughter and bring back the more pages of the book and that kind of thing? Exactly. Where it's just like, what was the purpose? Is it world building? Is it something else? Or is it, you know, you know, more love interest, more people to kill, whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's because that's, that's not the focus. That's not why no. we're here. It's not part of the playground. And this right? whole, exactly. And this whole thing where, you know, she's got to get to the cabin so that, that you know, the bridge is closed off. So yeah. the, 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 the hicks are going to lead her up. And I use the term hicks in a loving ma- manner. <laughs> They're the good old fashioned 80s hicks. 80s hicks, yeah. They're just some good old boys. Yeah, trying to do a what good they old should. boy and a good old girl. <laughs> um, it it throws things off a little bit for me, mm-hmm. and and I don't ever remember any of those scenes when we're just discussing the film. Generally Absolutely. speaking, there's they're not memorable moments. They're like not. You, you forget about the archaeologist, but then you remember the dick beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's <laughs> a good point. You kind of just forget. Like my memory of. Like, pretty much everyone that kind of shows up from that car ride, uh, pretty much just, I just remember when they meet up with Ash is when it all really comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you think about that movie, mm-hmm. it's all Ash, and then all of a sudden they show up in a cabin, Ash is talking to them, tree rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, um, and the, um, locking him in the basement. Oh, yeah. With the dead eye is brilliant. Um. And this is also the first film where they refer to them as deadites at the end in the medieval dead Yeah, in the sequence. medieval scene, yeah, because I thought it was Army of Darkness. But yeah, you're right. They do have that at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, again, we were talking briefly about this show, which we won't get into too much because yeah. everyone should watch it. The first few episodes have been fantastic. But um, uh, he, the, the, that uh, recall to the events. Yeah, like the warehouse in, flashbacks. Yeah. 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 He doesn't mention anything there about Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. All of this flashback sequences are from the first two films. But then he corrects someone in that same episode and says they're called Deadites. And um, th- that is such a, uh, you know, a moment, like a yes moment. They are going to go there. Yeah, eventually. they are going to go <laughs> yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. <laughs> um, and I love, I love Deadite. I think that's such a cool term I, I i think building it's just another way that that they've gone and they built their own universe mm-hmm. we're not going to call them living dead we're not going to call them zombies yeah. we're not going to call them monsters they're deadites yeah but it's also even like uh even if you want to talk like the horror you know lore of like those types of things mm-hmm. that created its own you know type of monster i'm saying is that you know is that I mean? the hallmark of good horror good zombie films is that you create your own version yeah that sets yeah. you apart is it 
is it about the set pieces? Is it about the world, or is it about like what breed or brand of zombies you have, and whether it's a dead eye, whether it's people swarming a mall, mm-hmm. whether it's fast moving, slow moving, that kind of thing, whether it's you know rage induced or something else. I of mean, this course. is good. This one stands out. And the idea of dead eye, it's such a ridiculous fucking name. Well, exactly. Yeah, you know, just, it kind of fits, and it and helps fact, establish what's happening. Yeah, and the fact that they introduce it in the end when he goes back in time. Yeah, and and you see that the pages in the Necronomicon and, and are referring to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it uh, it just is one more like bit of wrong lore, on that, like, yeah. yeah, on that uh, level of uh, you know absurdity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder if somebody was to do instead of like a zombie movie, if they did a straight up deadite movie. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, would it would it have to be like an Evil Dead slapstick action horror type film? Yeah, or would it be something you know, just like a straight up well, zombie like movie, cackling horseback skeletons? You kind of have to be, right yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. With that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think this is a good place to take another short break and uh, come back and, and let's get into Army of Darkness a little bit, and we'll round out the series. Talk a little bit about the the uh, both the TV show and the uh, the remake. Yeah, and uh, our well, thoughts well, on those. Was it a remake? Isn't it just the 2013? Yeah, the 2013 <laughs> yeah. go around. There you go. Okay, so let's get into Army of Darkness. Uh-huh. Okay, so wh- what the hell year did this film come out in? Uh, uh, 92. 92, yeah, oh, very yeah. good. Okay. 1992 Blue Jays? Yeah. Jeez. Let's <laughs> not do any cross-promoting right now. No, yeah, no I, shameless promotion is allowed here. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, the zero episode of this show goes clearly into... Um, you know, sleep for the nightlife and and uh, the origins of you know uh, why the hell we're doing this. Ah, oh, shit! But Army of Darkness. Army of oh, Darkness. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here for. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so '92, this film comes out. The Blue Jays win the World Series. <laughs> A lot of great things happen this year. <laughs> we get to see a film um, that. You know, Sam Raimi does Darkman the year before this. And like you said off air, or possibly on air if we keep that clip in, <laughs> um, it, it, it's not Batman. And mm-hmm. it, Batman in 89, yeah. right? Changed the world. Subsequently, maybe doesn't find the audience it should have. You know, with those performances by Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand and, um, you know, just an amazing visual piece. Mm-hmm. Um, precursor to the modern superhero movie absolutely in a lot of ways and obviously kind of a, a you know a, a resume on a certain extent to to Raimi getting the Spider-Man For franchise absolutely. Um, all that being said Army of Darkness which kind of was originally which we hinted about before was originally titled the Medieval Dead um, which <laughs> I want that title it still, yeah. is, on, it still <laughs> is on the poster yeah yeah it says uh it says Army of Darkness, and then it just says a Medieval Dead. Nice. Like in very, very tiny letters. In very, very tiny letters. <laughs> yeah. just, just, for, just, for like, just for like people like us to be like, yes. Yes. Now, um, this movie is kind of a hybrid, in my mind, of Evil Dead 2 and Darkman, a lot of ways. Visually, um, uh, sensibility-wise, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels a lot like... Uh, 
like those two movies kind of mashed together. Um, and, and it's a perfect mix because you get all of the best parts of those two movies. Absolutely. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Temple wise, this film is fantastic. Yeah. It never slows. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant in that regard. You know, you have Ash dropped into this world and again, literally, literally, <laughs> but in the second film, um, and you get again this revisionist history where it picks up with him, uh, you know, in in chains and telling you the story again, completely different than you've just seen it, mm-hmm. or not just, but mm-hmm. on rewatchings, just seen it. Um, and it, it's so again we get that, uh, and we have a lot of great. Uh, we get to the deadites a lot quicker in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, they throw them into the the chamber the pit, yeah. or into the yeah the pit, um, which is really interesting. And they also do uh, a stellar job of introducing all of the characters super quick. Yeah, which is integral to this film. I feel no, that whole boomstick scene is just legendary because it's just it it encapsulates everything at once like you just said and i mean it's just Mm -hmm. from there and even the one-liners and even like going in seeing the movie poster where it's very very much romance novel covered like they're fully embracing everything and kind of running with it and it gets ridiculous but i mean still from a technical from a, a narrative standpoint you know it's just one of those ones where it's just like I don't know. I've just never heard anybody put it the way you just did, where it's just like they they establish everything immediately that you need. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a lot of world building. There's not a lot of wasted time, even though everything has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to just sort of the, uh, you know, the, the staying power and, and, and the importance of the franchise where it's like, we've already done this, man. So like, here's everybody. Let's go. You know where you are. But wait, everything's different, but not really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, they do it in a way where if you don't have the other movies to reference, mm-hmm. you can still dive headfirst into the mm-hmm. world with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, <clears throat> Evil Ash. Oh, yeah. Because Bruce Campbell technically not credited in the film as being Evil Ash, but it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's of course it's him. It's yeah. clearly him. They, they build off of that. It's brilliant. And I love that in a lot of ways, in the franchise, the closest thing to an equal match that Ash has, this reluctant hero has, is himself. <laughs> in an equal form. <laughs> yeah. And I love that line where he just, you know, good, bad, doesn't matter. I'm the one with the gun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's such a good moment. Um, and then obviously burying him, kind of going back to the staples of the series, you know, the same way as he had to kill and bury his girlfriend and, and so forth. I think that's become kind of a staple of the series. Um, and then you have uh, him going on a quest, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think was very popular in video games, particularly in that era. And I think maybe they borrowed from that a little bit because, again, this movie has been made into comic books and video game adaptations, which is really interesting because it's tailor-made for that in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. It really is. Now I'm just thinking about the uh, the Dreamcast Evil Dead game. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I don't think I ever played that. I got to go back and do that. I yeah. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Still got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a lover of the series, you you, you have to dive into everything. But that thing going on a quest, and it's one of those ones where it's like it's supposed to be serious, but it's just that, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got your damn words. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think another thing with um, Army of Darkness as well, which is what makes it really good, is, yeah, they introduce the characters right off the bat, mm-hmm. but you still don't have to be at all attached to them. The only character that you really still care about at the end of this whole thing is Ash. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, you don't care uh, about... Uh, 
about uh, Duke Henry, is it? Yeah. Even though he's literally going to his death before yeah. essentially Ash decides, all right, I'll help this dude out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you definitely don't care about Arthur because mm-hmm. he's just a dick. He has a nice <laughs> redeemer moment near the end, which is then played off as a... Uh, as that comedy back and forth, you know, when Ash goes a little too far and oh, kind of yeah. hits him on the shoulder, like, yeah. And he just looks at him <laughs> very seriously. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, East, mm-hmm. what do you think about the scene uh, when he's he, he's retrieving the Necronomicon mm-hmm. and he's testing the three books, which, again, I think you've got that, obviously, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that's going on in that scene. And you have... <laughs> Which is brilliant. And you have this, um, the book that opens up into another world. Uh And he goes into it. He Uh goes through this portal and he has to make his way back and you never see it. And I love that. I think that so many filmmakers would would take you, would follow through with Ash, would jump through the portal, Mm -hmm. so to speak, with Ash and see, you know, have some stupid scene with him climbing back up or hanging on for dear life or something like that. And instead you get this very quick He's in the book, he's out of the book, his face is fucked, and then yeah. you go to this amazing, uh, again, comedy moment, yeah. harkening back to the the hand mm-hmm. in Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. you know. Does that play as well as the hand in Evil Dead 2? Because, again, you start off with a terrifying moment. Your hand has been taken the, on. The thing with the hand in Evil Dead 2 is it is – that is no actor – to this, like, nowadays, you can think of any actor you want, or even comedian, can do as good as a job as he did in that scene in Evil Dead 2 with the whole hand thing. You cannot recreate that. Um, it's not as... It's totally different. It's the same... It's... Oh, shoot. That's a good I question. Just, I just mean that, like, because you start off with, with a clear villain, and you think yeah. you're going to have this horror movie moment, mm-hmm. and instead of, of going the easy route, instead mm-hmm. of going into this other dimension or having this hand overtake him and him just become a deadite or something mm-hmm. like that, which I know happens, but again, yeah. um, it it bring, it gives you the least expected thing, yeah. mm-hmm. which is the him escaping from that and his face. You He's know. all terrified. And yeah. Looks like he got the shit kicked out of him. Um, <laughs> he looks like a character from yeah. Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, I think it did a good job of just. Uh, I would have liked to see what was in that world for sure. I think we all would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's way cooler that you don't left, see anything. Yeah, yeah. left to the imagination. And I think again, I, something that Raimi knows how to do perfectly. He knows the moments where you you take people in, and he knows the moments where you keep people away. Mm-hmm. And it it's all going back to that, you know, the use of the camera and and the, the pacing, and just. Uh, a methodical intelligence mm-hmm. about all of that that's just perfect and that's the thing like both those scenes not to like hijack the question but I no, mean, no, like no, it's no, just no. it's it's just different types of physical comedy right yeah and that's just using bruce campbell i mean whether it's it's a necessity thing where he's like i'm doing this because this is what i have to work with or he's mm-hmm. doing this because i want to fuck with the audience yeah but that kind of thing but i mean like you said like that that the hand scene has never been recreated because it's just classic slapstick physical comedy so cool yeah. so well done mm-hmm. and then the next one it's just like i don't know for me like army of darkness just really has that 90s nostalgia too because i think it was the right age at that point to mm. really kind of like get into that sort of like slacker grunge attitude and that kind of thing Absolutely. and just like so, and rock so, a mean mullet <laughs> oh yeah i never had a mullet 
did oh, have, I had a mullet. I did have a bowl cut for a bit. But yeah. Anyway, um, no, but I mean, it, it, it's the kind of thing where it's just like that whole like, you know, fuck you, let's do something weird. And you just see that where it's like, yeah, you would totally expect this. And you're like, eh, fuck it. And then all of a sudden there's prosthesis and you're just kind of yeah. like, that's ridiculous. I yeah. love it. And, so, and then I mean, it goes it, to the skeletons on yeah. top of that. So yeah. it yeah. even goes a step further. Yeah. Than it does in in Evil Dead Two. Well, and that's mm. the thing. So, like in, in in with the hand scene, I look at it as a throwback to physical comedy, yes. like traditional <laughs> physical comedy. Whereas with the, uh, the the stretched out face and everything, it's very much like a '90s, like ah, fuck it, let's just do something crazy. Yeah, yeah. you know, which is it is really hilarious. I'd say the closest to kind of like what the hand scene would be in two, like for three, would be the scene where like the with all the little yeah, the, the little yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and him like growing a second yeah. head. Oh, the yeah. second head yeah. scene is just apart. like ah! oh yeah. Yeah, which is just like that. That is just fantastic. That was the way to level it up there. Um, like that and, whole, I th- and I think they captured like that humor, you know, pretty yeah. well for that scene. You're right. No, that, that's that's just ramping up the hand scene, like that whole cabin scene with like the little ashes and the second head and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. like when he goes just just revisiting that. I mean, it's just it's perfect. It kind of fits. But then you know the 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 whole book scene is just sort of an extension into development of the character where it's just like he really is reluctant doesn't give a shit just wants yeah. us to be over with and he's like yeah, yeah i got your damn words or whatever. i mm-hmm. wish i could get the line right but i mean it's that kind of thing yeah what is it's uh clatu verata nikto but i mean just when he's riding off on the horse he's like yeah yeah i got it i got it you know just like classic yeah. Raimi campbell kind of dialogue right exactly yeah. but then when he gets to it, it's like and just coughing it out and that kind of thing i mean like that's just the next level, the next extension, the next development of the character, where mm. it's like he's really establishing it as like, what the hell am I doing here? Another <laughs> another funny thing is we're also reestablishing in that scene that Ash is as much as you like, we love him. Yeah, he's really not a good guy. No, no not he at is. all. Really not. He's like <laughs> he's just a bit of a dick. But he's a huge dick. He just wants to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Really doesn't care about anything else but himself and trying to get laid. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, like looking he's already b- accomplished all that here, so let's just get home. Yeah, like, yeah right? like looking back, the rose-colored glasses, that kind of thing, like, that guy is so badass, and you idolize him, and every time you watch it, every single time you watch it, any of the first three, even the new show, like, I got the sense immediately, where it's like, this guy's really unappealing. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's unappealing, and yet he's so... We all aspire. Yeah, you you become fixated on him. Yeah. He there's something and maybe it's Bruce Campbell, although actually it's certainly Bruce yeah. Campbell. There's something about him when he does that kind of role. Yeah. Um, even his his odd appearances in, in Xena Warrior Princess. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, I guess that's the thing. Like even in the first movie when they're just kind of sitting around in the cabin and like you're just kind of they're doing like, the, you know, the shot to shot from each character. And mm-hmm. their head. He just stands out. He just doesn't fit with the cast, which makes sense because he goes on to do it, whether that was on purpose or whether it was just what they had. Yeah. You know, the fact that they identified that and ran with it throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously the connection between Raimi and Campbell. Old friends, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, the other other element of it being that in in two, he's defined as the star, as the hero. Mm. Um, He's not part of an ensemble. And because that Mm. film just works on so many levels – you know that's the universe that you you have to run with it's mm-hmm. no it's no different than you know um say for example the shortcomings of terminator films that don't feature arnold yeah i'm talking monetarily <laughs> not necessarily uh story wise right but it, because he is you've defined a franchise where oh, he you is have the franchise, a star yeah, yeah. 
Um, he is the franchise. I couldn't have said it better myself, so I'm just going to steal your words. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and and it's the same thing with Bruce Campbell. And I think that's a good way to segue into um, the 2013 remake, mm. where the only appearance, obviously, of Bruce is the groovy at the end in the the post credit sequence, which you just again you get that. Um, did they use prosthesis in that to accentuate the chin and accentuate I honestly you know, don't know. the nose and so forth? Because I know that they did that with the shadow shot in two. I honestly don't know. Yeah, because you, you get that silhouette shot of his face, um, mm. which is just – it's like he's right out of a fucking comic No, book. it's iconic. Like, <laughs> like this, this guy is literally – if you were to draw a leading man, yeah. if you were to draw it on paper, he is – like he's – leading man. Yeah, he's the – all of his features are so – over accentuated almost it it's he, he he's the archetypal um art hero but not in film you know it's so interesting and maybe that leads into his b-list success i don't know well, that's I don't the know. thing it's like his, his physical appearance versus his method of acting yeah right and it's just it's a weird thing that shouldn't be reconciled but sam raimi found a way to do it yeah you know even in the scene at the end of dark man where he just turned around and it's like oh liam neeson's found a more handsome face <laughs> you know like that's what you <laughs> what you think liam i don't know i got a liam neeson liam neeson crush for sure but you know man crush but uh no, I don't know. Now I'm just like going back to Key and Peel. <laughs> yeah, I'm just just basic. If I'm a lady, I see him on the street, and I see Bruce Campbell on the other side of the street. Like, I'd probably go, cross. I, I don't know, man. Oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's fair. Thanks for establishing that. That's important at least it, context. At least it, yeah. <laughs> if, so in any case, if Bruce is at all like Ash, at least that way you know if I'm going to go over, I'm going to fool around a little bit. I don't have to worry about somebody falling in love with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's he's going to be like, give me some sugar, baby. Mm. And then and the next day, he's probably going to do up his pants and leave. And then him... Next day. Yeah. Like, uh, try, no, try, yeah. Him trying to leave? He's like, I got to go to work yeah. at S-Mart. Like, yeah, or if you want to get rid of him quickly, you can just put on a, a dead-eye-type mask and turn around and give him some cryptic out, yeah. message. Uh, I got to go. Yeah. That was a good scene in the show. Yeah, yeah. that's a good... Yeah. It's really good. Um, okay. So, number three, we introduce... Uh, or sorry, uh, number four, the the, the whatever remake, is, the yeah. 2013 remake. Um, we introduce a new protagonist, um, and this is an interesting thing because the way they did it, I really enjoyed. I thought it was very much like what they did with uh, Ripley in the mm-hmm. first Alien, mm-hmm. where it's almost a, a, like a mild bait and switch because you look at that cast in the first alien and you think okay there's all these heavy hitters you got john hurt in there and obviously he's the one that first you know uh is impregnated for lack of a better term (laughs) no Uh, that's exactly what it is there is no better term (laughs) for for lack of a more precise term then um and and then you 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 have all these characters that uh you know are basically on an even keel until shit goes awry and then Ripley is the the take charge kind of character, yeah. and you have that again where you have this this girl that you think in the early scenes. Well, first of all, she's the first one being hunted. She's the most flawed of all of them. Yeah, and you defy every you know uh, horror film tradition by making her your protagonist, but putting her on the same kind of course as Ash, where, again, like you talked about, he's a dick. Uh Um, There's a moment in the second film where, you know, um, 
Linda says, I love you. And, and he kind of like weasels out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you have with, um, with her, you have the drug addiction, you have her kind of mouthing off to the friends and oh, like her brother and everything. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and then the fact that she is the one that's very early on kind of smelling the dead body because of her, uh, adverse reaction to being clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you think, oh, this girl's dead. This girl's out of it, you know. And she comes back and she she's the character that you end up – the only character through both the first half of the film and then when you realize that she's the protagonist that you kind of fall in love with. Because the rest of the characters are fucking washed. They're yeah, like – They really th- are. They're just let's, let's inject, a, you know, a stereotypical bookworm. Yeah. Let's inject like your typical almost like, you know uh, – uh, popular guy in yeah, high school it's a very token with like a movie. Oh, his gold. new girlfriend and yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah exactly and then like the the responsible person that you know is going to get fucking killed anyway because she's being too responsible i mean that's all that's know, all sort of like well role. it's all well established like all the the horror movie character tropes like look at cabin in the woods and how they play with it exactly that kind of yeah. thing and the twists and whatnot and this is one where it's just like yeah she they establish all of it but then they flip it on that's like she's the troubled one she's the one the, the promiscuous one who should get killed immediately yeah right but yeah, no, and that's obviously it's on purpose. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. But I mean, I guess isn't that kind of what you know the series is all about? Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's just flipping principles on uh, or like traditions on its head, and not just to do it, but to actually show that it can work. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that I love about this film, uh, which maybe is what I is one of the first things that I fell in love with about the Evil Dead films in general is the amount of fucking blood in this movie. Yeah. Now, we all know that that scene in Kill Bill, you know, he, he they had to make it black, black and white, white yeah. because there was so much fucking blood in this movie. And you wonder if the only way that they got around that was the fact that you can't differentiate at the end between the actual blood and what's falling out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You know? Never thought of that. That's clever. Um yeah, because it's like... <laughs> Fuck you, censors. Yeah, the, literally the last half of the... Or the last act of the film, in large portion... Is blood. It's just fucking blood. It's just... <laughs> everything is blood. Oh, yeah. And, and like, when she's tearing off her fucking and arm... See, and you see the tendon. And it's squirting, and, yeah. Yeah. It's... That, the, you know what the funny thing is? I That scene, which I love, um, is... I don't even really remember. There's so much blood in that scene. I don't remember the blood. I remember it like the muscle being torn and like Absolutely. all the, the intricate practical gore that that movie had. It really reminded me of Day of the Dead when that guy's getting ripped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's still laughing. You see the vocal cords. All, yeah. <laughs> oh. But uh, it, it, yeah, you actually look past it because it's so ridiculous. Your eyes are cu- is used to yeah, seeing that you much just blood. acclimate mm. to the blood. Yeah, it's so interesting. Oh, I don't want to be desensitized, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's the whole thing. That's no, what what Evil Dead does so well, and what in the earlier part of the film you kind of lose a little bit um, is that it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. It's very much following traditional tropes to a certain extent but then all of a sudden things go off the tracks and you're back in the evil mm-hmm. dead universe and, and that's the thing yeah. with that one i liked how they did it because i was never really worried 
because of the intro scene with the father and his daughter and yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Or it was like, it was very serious, very dark. And I was like, this seems weird. Did they kind of miss the point? And then when she turns and he shoots her and that kind of thing, yeah, it's like, yeah. there, there it is. There it is. There it is. And There's then they cut the back to like, know. you know, the, the, the bird's eye shot with the thing. And it's like a Jeep. And I'm like, no, where's the Oldsmobile, man? And then they cut to the back and she's mm-hmm. sitting on the broken on down the- Oldsmobile. And I was like, there's so much just iconography, but also symbolism for, for what they're doing mm-hmm. with not, not the genre, but with the series. Yeah. You know, where it's 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 a tasteful update that 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 remembers its roots and acknowledges and respects them. Yeah, yeah. It was and, and just like kind of gives you those clues, those those foreshadows uh, all throughout that whole intro, where it's just like, no, 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 we got you. Just be patient. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, it's great because it it was totally able to grab a whole new viewership, you know, of kids that have never really heard of Evil Dead, while still being like with people who loved it, still being like, well, you're not shitting on this thing that I love, like so many modern yeah. remakes do. Like I remember walking out of the new nightmare on elm street in the first, i really wanted that to be good in the first scene yeah. because when freddie's coming out of the wall in the original that was like i, I loved it because he it was a wax wall you know what i mean he had this person striking down and it looked great and then i'm watching this new cg piece of shit and it's like you're just taking a dump on yeah. this beautiful beautiful work of art and Absolutely. with the new evil dead because they stuck to the practical of of like effects mm-hmm. as opposed to what a lot of modern remakes were doing at the time, yeah. mm-hmm. you fell in love with it. And well, I mean that's the thing, not even just modern remakes, but but you know, slasher horror, you know, thriller movies in that time, even just like five years ago, and what had sort of been established with the new guard and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. it was all very like gritty. Even movies like 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 shrooms, you know? Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. But it was kind of fun and you kind of bought into it. And so Evil Dead, I, like, I, it was just something you said just a few minutes ago where it was just like they kind of had to be, you know, of the time. Yeah. Like, be tapped into the zeitgeist of what's going on in 2012, 2013. Absolutely. And somehow, like, use that to establish their foothold. Yeah, that's exactly and it. And, like, it was what you said where it's they, they brought in a whole new generation without shitting on the fans. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's, I, again, just didn't didn't think of it that way. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. second you said that, I was like, "Man, that's genius." Yeah. Well, well that's done. True. <laughs> well, that's, that's the that was that's the only way they can you know make money. They're still trying to make money off it. Yeah. <laughs> it is oh, a business. Yeah. You know, it's it'll be interesting to see if they tie this Mia character back into like I, I the you know, Ash I, character. I, I'd, I'd like heard rumbles of it. Yeah. Yeah. Did the do you? Like I, I, I read like a one line thing in an interview about it. I don't yeah. really know anything. I haven't heard anything since. And and one thing that Raimi is great about is is paying fan service and like oh well you know what this might be a good idea and he's also really good about like being honest after the fact i mm-hmm. mean whatever ndas are in place and that kind of thing but i mean I, spider-man 3 is kind of like my go-to where it's like years later after we're all kind of disappointed and we're like what the fuck was that and he's just like i didn't get to make the movie i wanted to make yeah he wanted mysterio right uh he wanted vulture and i think was it john malkovich's vulture was supposed to be in there or something like that there, there's a bunch of different stories but i mean like venom was never supposed to be there no apparently uh he you know uh, the the goblin story was supposed to wrap up whatever i and mean yeah. there, there's so many and theories and stories and sandman was supposed to be a bigger part because they spent years sandman was on, awesome on the special sp- effects yeah they spent so long doing <laughs> the special effects to have thomas hayden church just fizzle off yeah he didn't matter no you know yeah because even like when i was a kid i remember watching that trailer and then it's like, you have Sandman Wicked, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, is that Venom? Mm-hmm. Is you that know? Topher Grace? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, no, but no, I mean, right. the thing is, but I mean, just going back to that, where it's just like, he's always kind of honest, but he's always, you know, got his history in his back pocket, mm-hmm. and he's ready to pull it out and, and, mm-hmm. and, and show that respect. And I mean, with the new Evil Dead, I mean, he, he just produced it, right? Or did he? 
Raimi and Campbell both have production credits okay. on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think so. they just majorly oversaw it and just made sure that these yeah. people that were making it loved yeah. what they were doing. And again, yeah, I feel as though I, I got that impression. I got that impression that it was a love letter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the original, which isn't just exclusive to Evil Dead films. Yeah. We talked off air about uh, directors like Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, paying homage to to the series. Um, another one that comes to mind is uh, early Peter Jackson stuff. Oh yeah, bad tastes. Yeah, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful film. So you know the level that this franchise has changed cinema is it, it's it's unbelievable. Considering that the first film was made. 70 what was it uh, 375,000 something like that yeah um it's you could only you could only dream of that kind of uh longevity and um uh, you know to offer something to the world that leaves the kind of dent that evil dead has but just to be like a watershed moment right exactly Where it's just like you've set a high mark and like everybody's going to try and attain it you know, but I mean, like whether they surpass it or not, that's not the point. It's that like you did this and can anybody else do this and other people aspire to it. And I think that's the thing, like going back to the first one where it was just because it was all sort of a shoestring with what was available, who was available, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing where it's just like it is that passion product project. It is that kind of thing you want to do. And I, 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 my mind goes to like the idea of an editor, the idea of a, a third set of eyes from the outside being like, do you guys realize how bad what you're doing is? Like if it's a shitty mm. movie, right? Like having that 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 voice of reason, that conscience there. So I wonder if they had that or they're just, they just have such good taste that Absolutely. they are tastemakers and they knew what they were doing or it was just luck. You yeah. Know? And that, that's the kind of thing. Like there, there's no answer. Nobody will ever know. I think one of but. the things as well is, was a uh, time, you know? And when that first movie came out, too, like it's the 80s, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of movies back then were getting a lot of freedom, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people are just like, you know, these cocaine producers, yeah, here's money, make it, yeah, you know, um, and there because there was a lot of there was a lot of you know home, straight to home video movies, you know, like just going from Grindhouse to Star Wars to the '80s action movie, like there was just such a big change, but it none of it really died off. They all just kind of branched off, and it became parallel things, it became different yeah, streams of filmmakers cool. and cult following and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. this one, just that it was, you know, it, it really established this stream of of something that's still going on and still so well revered and still so fun, you know? Yeah, like, that's fucking cool. So I mean, like, just I don't know, like coming back to the new one. Uh, I don't know. Do you think they were trying to like recapture it or do you think they were just trying to like pay homage to it or, or what was it? Like, are they reinventing it? Like, I don't, I don't even know what to make of it now that we just put it in this context. Cause I yeah. never really thought of it that way. Yeah. In this new world of franchises. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that I, I, I fault this film for mm. because evil dead as a franchise per se happened organically. Mm-hmm. And I think that very much they were trying to, um, you know, bottle that magic, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Every other horror movie franchise at this at that point though had already been bought up. Yeah. You know, like, 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 like let's be real about it. You know what I mean? They already yeah. redid Jason. They redid a Freddy. They redid a Halloween with a shitty sequel. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just, remember seeing uh, the the first remake um, the at the drive-in. Right after um, 
the the third Star Wars prequel. Uh, no, I think was its title. I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it was Star Wars No. The one. Uh, Best line of the movie. <laughs> but um, the there there's a movie that recaptured the energy of the original but somehow made the pacing terrible yeah mm-hmm. and and i like rob zombie as a filmmaker i think he's 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 of a kind yeah exactly i think that when you go into a rob zombie film yeah. you get a rob zombie film yeah. and there's something very special about that and he has an understanding of of the genre and its origins that perhaps you don't get from from others currently working uh in horror that being said yeah. um Evil Dead is is way better than all of these remakes that you're talking oh, sure. about because it even if it's changing uh you know the characters our our beloved Ash is no longer with us in this timeline or mm-hmm. at least he's off somewhere else mm-hmm. presumably chasing tail mm-hmm. um a lot of those classic moments that Brent alluded to are there and the breakneck pace is still there mm-hmm. And there's so much familiarity in that world that, like you guys said, it doesn't feel like a reboot. It doesn't feel like a cash grab. It feels as though a bunch of people who are like-minded got together and said, you know what? It's time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and as much as there probably was a, a money end of things to that... Um. When I sit down and I watch that movie versus the Halloween remake or the uh, the Hitcher remake oh. <laughs> or, um, you know, any of these weirdo Jason situations like Jason in space or any of this other stuff, uh, <laughs> it's it's a different thing because there's a certain warmth and love and respect that that is given. And I also think that it leaves the chronology intact, mm-hmm. which is something that these other films don't do. It's also really hard, too, because, um, like, to remake an Evil Dead, because in all those other horror movies, the main character is the killer. Yes. You know what I mean? He's yes. The, and any actor can be, let's face it, any act as long as they're big, you can get an ex-football player, they can be Jason, and they can be Mike Myers. Not every actor can be Ash. Mm-hmm. No. There's one Ash. So if you're even going to even think fathom touching evil dead mm. how are you going to do it with the love and respect and the warmth without bruce campbell mm-hmm. and they did the best job that i think could have been done they really did mm-hmm. and and hats off to him for it you know and if they did bring in that girl to the tv series that would be kind of like what could they do with it you know <laughs> well, if you have mia show up you could you could have her um it would be interesting because uh, wasn't there talks, or even it might have been shot, of a scene where she's running through the woods and then he picks her up? He's the one that picks her up, I something like that. don't recall that. Well, then maybe I'm just making it up. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe it's wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, I think that, that would be really interesting. If for some reason in the series he mm-hmm. had to go back to the cabin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so if he has to go back to the cabin and she's leaving the cabin. Or she's out front, just covered yeah. in blood, like oh, wow. almost yeah. left for dead, just breathing. Exactly. And then they, kind of what they did with, you know, Ash and Evil Dead 2, is mm. they kind of bring her into the house and be like, so what the fuck's up? Yeah. But what would be even better mm. is if they then turn around and they kill her. Mm. 
because it, 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 that's just to refocus. Well, exactly. That's that's perfect. You put the you put the series back on 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 the tracks that it's on. Yeah. Um, and and you you well, cross the over the chronology. And then the, the 2013 movie has done its job, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, of just bringing in a whole new generation yeah. in a subversive way. Or yeah. or what they could do, which is a lot of people wouldn't like, but if they did it properly, it very well could work. Ash is an old man. You know, Bruce Campbell isn't going to want to do it forever. Yeah. They get two good seasons out of him. And then and they bring her into it, bring her in in order to be like, we got to let Ash kind of, Ash mm-hmm. needs to go out gracefully. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Interesting. And then they just pass the torch. Yeah. You know? And pass the torch. And it, it'd be funny if they literally pass the torch, just him handing the neck oh, yeah. with her and be like, oh, no, no, hang on. Let me get that baggie <laughs> yeah, of weed yeah. out of there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Mad World style. He just kicks the bucket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love, by the way, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, East, but I love how they brought back the deadites it was just the oh shit <laughs> yeah and that goes back to that's that alternate ending for army of darkness where just it, it yeah the, like the ash buffoon, is not like, a smart yeah. guy yeah he is he is a reluctant hero who's just <laughs> doesn't put in the situation doing. and does his best with it yeah on the strength of his bravado and his arrogance and his boomstick yeah. <laughs> euphemism intended yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap this up? Uh, I'm, I think we pretty much yeah. hit the nail on the head on that one. The only other thing was, I mean, just one more just sort of like bit of praise for, for the, the 2013 movie is that when you mentioned the breakneck pace and just how it keeps going and that kind of thing, I was reminded of this. In the uh, second and third act, not so much in the first yeah, act. No, they, they do have that slow beginning. But, I mean, it just reminded me of a, it's a French movie, High Tension. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where it's just like that's an experiment in just everything is continually ramping up and yeah. up and up. But I mean, that's a difficult movie to watch because you're out of breath by the end. Whereas Evil Dead, you're out of breath for a different reason. Yeah, but they yeah. also know when to to break it. The way that, yeah. like we talked about, where you, you have these moments of of comedy, or yeah, um, they they can ramp up and then they can release. Yeah, almost in the way that you would imagine um, a band. For example, someone like Explosions in the Sky or yeah. something like that where there's Let's this slow build and, yeah. and then the payoff yeah. and then you you can settle into something. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, let's pay some respect to a, an Ontario band. Alexis on Fire on their first record <laughs> does that very well. You yeah. have a ton mm-hmm. of songs that have this slow build and then payoff. Oh, dude. And then... Pulmonary oh, archery. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. This return um, just... Uh, Maintaining a dynamic that never overwhelms an audience, mm-hmm. and also um, giving everyone what they want is something that Evil Dead and Alexis on Fire <laughs> <laughs> do very well. Absolutely, and that's yeah. what I was saying. There's there's experiments you can go in different directions, but Evil Dead just sort of has that balance, and you gotta respect it whether you recognize it or not. Yeah. While you're watching it, looking back, you just or listening to this, you're just gonna be like. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you have a whole new appreciation for it. Absolutely. All right. Um, so remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. Uh, we want to continue it on with you. So please go to our website. Uh, yell at us there. Um, send us a message on Twitter. I'm at NotBrandonFleet. Uh, do you guys want to offer up your Twitters? I'm, uh, I'm at AntEast. And I am at twice sliced. Seriously? Actually. That actually goes pretty good with the show. 
Okay, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, visit us on our YouTube channel for all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and thanks for hanging out with us. It's so hot. Hot action. Okay. Ready? Nope. Okay. Okay, wait. Not today. Back away, disco lady.